The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hello and welcome to Very Loose Women on London's Resonance 104.4 FM. Uh, I'm Catherine Johnston. I'm Emma Grenfell. Hello. And you've just been listening to Free by... Now here's the question. Is it Ultranate or Ultranate? There's no thing on the E that I would just imply. always thought it was Ultranate. But I don't know how... <laughs> yeah, okay, Chris well, agrees. We all know. You know, when did this come out? Like 90s, I was in a leotard, but I wasn't out dancing you know I think you're I was in a leotard I was, I was in a leotard but I wasn't in a club I'm too young to I think I saw it maybe on top of the pops I don't know um, I definitely think it's Nate but okay. we'll, we'll get back to you know any listeners that have any ideas tweet us email us Facebook us let us know like, what's the answer which is a handy reminder because if you're not following us on Twitter or you then haven't liked us on Facebook <laughs> um, at VLW Radio we had a, um, a fan tweet us last week i hope you're listening again (laughs) (laughs) one fan maybe this week we'll have two fans um but yeah thanks as always to everyone who does write in Um, but you can find us on facebook very loose women and we've also got podcast it's on itunes and acast which is the new kind of spotify for podcasts which is great and if you listen to the podcast on that on your smartphone you can actually see like um hyperlinks and multimedia photos like links to the stuff that we're chatting about it's great so anyway um this week's show we're talking about adventures, being adventurous and adventuring. Um, before we get into that main topic, as we usually do, uh, which is a massive rarely women tradition, it's time for gripe of the week. Emma, do you have a gripe? This week I do have a gripe. I've been quite gripe-free recently, which has been odd for me. But no, I have a couple of gripes this week. Um, I think my main gripe is that it's starting off not a gripe. We're having like, we have like a really lovely kitten staying with us. Well kitten maybe adolescent cat staying with us at the moment and she's like absolutely beautiful so friendly like the the loveliest like nicest cat you'll ever meet but the other day I was like in my bed with a love interest doing some smooching and she just tried to get involved and it was like you know it's so (laughs) awkward when like a pet tries to get involved with like canoodling you just don't know what to do it was a bit of a case of catus interruptus I started that like when I was thinking about my grave and I was so happy. But no, it just was really awkward because it's like, what do you do? Like, you can't, you have to stop and kind of like shun the cat out of the room, throw her off the bed, like get, you know, get her out the door. I mean, my love interest didn't seem that concerned about it, which concerned me. If she hadn't been trying to get involved but had just been watching, would that be a different thing altogether? Like, how far away? Because she was on the bed. Like a metre away? Like on a chair? <laughs> I think if she'd been like on a Like a paying, chair. you know, paying guest. Um, I, I think I would have minded it less. It was the fact that she was sat on the bed, like, basically on the duvet, just over my leg area, crotch area, possibly. I thought that's not okay. Mm, yeah, I, I, would, I would find that very difficult. But I think I would make sure that the animal was out of the room before I got started. Well, I didn't know. She, she just sneaks her way in there. The thing is, like, she's got into everyone's room. She, like, pushes people's doors open. Mm-hmm. Like, one of my housemates said, he puts, like, a suitcase in front of his door so, like, no one can open it, you know, otherwise it'll blow open. And she, like, meowed and pushed and pushed and opened it. She blow just, open? 
Yeah, I think it's like not a very sturdy door. So I don't know. She can find her way in. Sometimes I come into my room and like I've been sat there for like 20 minutes like pissing about on the internet and all of a sudden she just pops her head out and she's been there the whole time. So, you know, I can't check my room's cat free every time. Maybe I she's should. She's sneaky. She's very sneaky. Um, I neglected to mention earlier that we've got Chris Wynn Stanley, our um, engineer back. He was on a bit of a hiatus. So thanks, Chris, for joining us. You heard his voice earlier. Um. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, Cheers. What's your gripe, Catherine? Um, well, you you were there with me for my gripe, Emma. Um, we had a Uh-oh. shared bonding experience. I over um, the last kind of on and off the last couple of months, I've been experiencing random breast pain, not at a time um, when it usually occurs to do with my menstrual cycle. So obviously, it's a bit of a worry, and I went to the doctor. So anyone who's listening, anything, ch- any changes to usual, then you should go to your doctor. Basically, we went and got, um, well, I went and got checked out and Emma came with me to the breast unit. They're a very good, very efficient service, NHS great and very good at Kings Camberwell. Um, but basically, it just turns out that a lot of the cases um, that they have uh, with breast pain, they never really find an answer for it. It's very, very common. A lot of women just have kind of random breast pain. And for a lot of people, it does just kind of go away as quickly as it came on. And you don't really realize why. So hopefully mine is. But it's in um, my left breast. And it just hurts kind of all the time in random bits. And it, the tissues kind of thickened in certain places. So it actually feels kind of hard and lumpy, which is obviously a bit nerve wracking. But apparently it's fine. But basically, they gave me a information leaflet which was called Living With Breast Pain. And it it was quite helpful and it had some suggestions, but it just had the kind of standard line when you don't know what is causing something and you just have to learn how to live with it. It just said you might feel angry, you might feel frustrated, you might feel depressed, but it's something you'll have to manage. <laughs> You're just thinking, this just isn't that helpful, but obviously I'm very lucky. It's not so bad that I can't do things, um, but you know, it is kind of waking me up at night, but it's just the not knowing what it is or why I have it. I think what's something we talked about was the fact that like, you know, we're in our late 20s now, like we've been like menstruating for a while. We hopefully passed through puberty like, I don't know, about 10 years ago, ma- minimum, maximum, whatever, I mean, minimum. I, I'm always hoping that I'm still going to grow like two inches Yeah, I mean, it's always a dream, but, but I, I think, think we're probably, I think, yeah, I'm beyond probably that. shrinking. We'll probably already start shrinking. <laughs> but um, like we think we've kind of got it down. We know how to use tampons, whatever. But then something just comes up, like your boob hurts and it's not like meant to hurt. Or like your period comes two weeks early and it's like, why is this still happening to us? I thought we were over that little hump. I don't know. No. We're both having, you know, all these kind of like issues menstrual issues as well I know that my period just seems to be appearing like 10 days early um the other day I was in the office my colleague had a really bad period and you know she was really unwell and had to go home and again like you know we've just got to a certain age where things changing but the doctor did say to me that um this pain probably is caused by random hormonal changes so you know it's not true what they say about it all settling down and then it's just the same until the menopause, which is not true. Um, probably time to go on to our um, actual topic. topic. Or we could talk um, about the menopause, but... Yeah, my... <laughs> I'm not getting up to as many um, adventures, possibly because of this breast pain. But anyway, um, so we um, wanted to talk about kind of really putting yourself out there and doing extraordinary things. And I know that for a while we've been meaning to interview um, someone that you know really well, Emma. And we talked about getting her on the show for ages. So do you want to tell us a bit about this week's guest? Um, Yeah, so my friend Elsa Hammond, um, who you're going to hear talking in a minute, uh, applied last summer to do a solo row across the Pacific. Um, And yeah, I don't know. It's the kind of thing like 
I talked to her a lot about, about it before she went. Um, like she would have been potentially out there for about three months. It could have been like just out on her own in a boat. And my first thought was like, I just think I would go crazy. Like no one to talk to. I just start talking to myself. I would go a bit mad. That would have been one of my concerns. I don't know, Catherine, would you have, have any concerns about getting in a boat on your own for three months? I mean, I'd have a lot of concerns. I don't know how I could list all of them, but I think it wouldn't so much be being on my own. It would be the fact that you have to do stuff all the time. Like there's always stuff to do and you are responsible for everything. I quite enjoy abdicating personal agency. You know, I don't necessarily want to be in charge, but knowing that every little thing I do, every decision I make has a consequence and that there's no one else to share that burden, that would be what freaks me out. Well, hopefully we can listen to Elsa talking a bit about why she decided to do it and how it went for her. Um, Hopefully we can listen to it now. So last summer, I was planning to row two and a half thousand miles from California to Hawaii by myself um, as part of the first ever Great Pacific Race. Um, I actually managed to row a thousand miles before um, I had to abort the, um, the crossing because of multiple things going wrong. Um, I had loads of, uh, loads of equipment break, um, had two hurricanes headed towards me and it was it had uh, the race had started too late so it was becoming too late in the year um weather wise to be able to carry on why did you decide to do it it's like a mix of things so it's something i've wanted to do for years i heard about people doing things like that and i just thought it sounded really amazing and um i thought one day i'd like to do that and it sort of when when i heard about this race it being the first ever one i thought that would be a really good thing to get involved in which is why i decided to do it then um, I was also raising awareness of plastic pollution in the oceans and doing um, some uh, sampling for research along the way. So that was sort of part of it as well. There were um, quite a few fours, two pairs and four solos in, in the race. Out of the solos, I was the only one still rowing after about five days. And so I was, I, I stopped after 51 days. So I was, for the most of it, I was the only solo in the, in the race still. Unfortunately, it just wasn't, uh, it was the first time they've run it and it wasn't possible for solos to make that particular route. Um, And they've actually, they're they're carrying on the race um, every two years, but they've cut out solos completely because it wasn't possible. I mean, how do you feel about the fact that you you couldn't complete it? Because obviously you started really well and obviously if they've changed it now, it kind of proves that like it would have been impossible for you and it would have been Mm. really dangerous for you to continue. So how how do you feel at the time about doing, about kind of having stopped? Uh, obviously, uh, there, there is an element of disappointment about it and an element of feeling like I've sort of failed at it. But then there's kind of the other side of me that's the, the sort of the other rational side of me that's saying, actually, no, like I didn't. I, I made a sensible decision rather than failing. Like, actually, if I stayed out, I may well have um, not made it back at all. Um, and when, when you're out in really wild places, you have to make tough decisions sometimes. Um, and sometimes the toughest decision is, is like not carrying on. Um, and I've seen quite a quite a few people have to make those those sort of decisions recently i've been following quite a lot of different adventurers um it was really difficult making the decision while i was out there but once i'd made it i was quite happy with it it felt like quite i felt quite calm after making the decision and also i was looking forward to getting back to to land as well and getting off the boat for a bit so so yeah at the time it was it was difficult um first making the decision but then good once i've made i'd made it um and now i i'm sort of trying focusing on the on the things that i did experience out there so I've been doing bits of writing about it and um, I've done quite a lot of talks and workshops um, and thinking about um, all the wildlife I saw and all the experiences I had while I was while I was out there. So do you feel like 
you kind of learned something specific, like anything in particular from that experience? I don't know. I mean, I, I, yeah, people have asked me a lot, sort of, you know, has it changed me and, and stuff. Um, I think it's really easy to come back from an adventure or something and sort of re- like big up oh, I've been completely changed and I'm a new person and probably real life isn't quite like that. But I I definitely, um, I learned how hard it is to make decisions by, completely by yourself, not not having anyone, like when, when it's sort of life, life or death decisions and not having anyone else to sort of help make them and run 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 them by. And I sort of also learned that I can, I can do that. So that was, uh, I guess, sort of a confirmation of um, being able to look after myself in really tough situations as well what was the best bit about it i think the wildlife and the stars at night were the best um both of them were absolutely amazing before i went out there most people were saying that i probably wouldn't see that much wildlife um and i was seeing stuff every couple of days like whales and dolphins and sharks and turtles and all sorts of birds and yeah it was absolutely amazing and the stars at night as well just being so many hundreds of miles away from any other light source i've been out in jungles and things before and it was just something completely different i know that our listeners slash catherine really want to hear about <laughs> <laughs> the nitty-gritty of how did you go to the toilet and what happened when you had a period so toilet was a bucket which actually was really i i've been out at um i mean i, I guess a lot of your listeners of all have been out at sea or maybe sailing boats and yachts and I actually find it really stressful going to the toilet in, in those kind of, there's like a little, tiny little toilet room downstairs and you've got to kind of get down and get, and you're sort of stuck in there and you've got to do all these like complicated flushing mm-hmm. often and um, and you end up sort of be feeling seasick under all kind of doing all this. And, that, and actually just sitting on a bucket on deck was just so much better and so much, yeah, so much nicer. And you get a great view and there's, you've got no worry about anyone else coming around and seeing you. Um, when it was stormy, it was a bit harder. Um, and in terms of periods, I was actually on the coil while I was out there, so I didn't have periods. So oh, um, that made it a lot easier. I don't know what I don't know what I'd have done. I mean, I, I think it's really the easiest thing is to to not have periods while you're out there. Because I particularly I was in sort of great white shark areas and stuff. So the idea of kind of emptying moon cups overboard, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Gosh, it's so unfair being women extra added dimension. Absolutely. But you're still an adventurer. What kind of adventuring? I think you've been doing something since then. Yeah, so I've kind of I've come back, and I've, I've still got thoughts about whether I might do more rowing in the future in my mind, but but not at the moment. Um, I actually came back and got involved in writing a book which just came out last month, which is called The Wild Guide to Southern and Eastern England. So it's kind of at the other end of the scale um, in terms of the size of the adventures. It's it's about looking at local wild places in the southeast of England kind of uh little adventures you can have like little wild swimming expeditions ancient ruins in the middle of fields or big trees to climb and um, local food and little camping out on the beach and things um and we've even got a chapter on London so it's really thinking about adventure in a completely different way Wow, so that was pretty impressive. Like Elsa did an incredible job there because, as she said, she she lasted like she was like the only solo person to last beyond five days, and she actually lasted fifty one days. I think what's like the kind of most interesting thing is the fact that she talks about having to kind of make the decision to give up because mm. that's obviously also like a really big challenge to face to kind of think, okay, well, actually, it's just not worth it. And obviously, it sounds like it was really dangerous. Yeah, and it's a public thing as well. 
Um, and what else is probably a bit too modest to say is about how much media interest there was and people were kind of tracking her and sending her support. But there were lots of newspaper articles, like I, I seem to remember, um, I think she was in like kind of most of the main like broadsheet newspapers, like on their websites, um, big, you know, Twitter presence, people on Facebook. So friends and family, but also just the general public, very interested in what you're doing. Um, so when you, you know, say that you want to do something, obviously, in the back of your mind you know that you have to make that rational decision and decisions for your safety but there's obviously a lot of people do these things and for different reasons and perhaps there's also that idea of you know there's a bit of um, glory or it can be a vanity project what I liked about what Elsa was saying was that she had all these other motivations for doing it like um, doing her kind of research studies and it was a you know a chance for her to to actually learn stuff it wasn't all just about her but I suppose there's also in the back of her mind that thing of oh I've told everyone that I'm going to try and do this so I should try and do it for them because they're giving me all the encouragement and I've got all this media attention as well and I can't really imagine being in that situation but um because I've never done anything anything anywhere near like that but I, I can sort of um conjure up those mixed feelings that you would have I think yeah I guess sort of what you're saying as well it's like I've never like forced myself to do anything really like difficult especially like <laughs> well, like, like at all but like especially in terms of like a kind of physical challenge like I've never been like okay I'm gonna like I don't know cycle this amount or I'm gonna mm. like I, I don't know I don't know it's just not something that I would ever do and then maybe like I should I think like from what else is saying as well like she obviously learned although she was kind of saying it's a bit like I don't know pretentious or wanky or whatever to say like oh I learned so much about myself but I think it was really important for her to say well actually I learned I could look after myself on my own and I could make decisions on my own because at the moment like if I want to make a decision if someone says to me like you every decision you make you could just flip a coin like that sounds great to me but also you're talking about that kind of very like intellectual process of decision making long having like a long lead up time to decide something that's of like very strategic importance like you know do I go for this job do I you know see this person do I like change where I live that that kind of stuff and she's talking about quick thinking where it's almost like you know you just have a total deadline and like she was saying it's life and death so it's almost like more instinct kind of stuff like real survival skills and I don't have any survival skills because when I was a kid I didn't really do any adventuring like I wasn't I didn't go to scouts I know um especially boys um as you'd imagine who went to scouts um as kids and learned kind of all about knots you learn all the kinds of knots knots and you know, so useful sailing, um, you know, life skills like if you're trapped somewhere, how to find water, how to work out which direction you're going in, if it's, you know, I mean, I think actually I do know how to find my direction, but, you know, I wouldn't know where to look for water. I wouldn't know how to, I, c- I don't think I can light a fire or anything like that. I couldn't make a shelter for myself. Um, a lot of people do at least basic things like that or orienteering my map reading skills are hopeless so I didn't do things like that I've never climbed a tree and I don't think I was really encouraged to be independent in that way and I know that we talked about this a bit before on the show but um I definitely like in terms of being physically independent independent of space and being able to make stuff and do things like that I didn't really have room to roam so even now as a grown-up I just you know I don't naturally go towards like open spaces and doing things by myself so this kind of adventure would completely like I would never even consider in a million like lifetimes thinking of doing something as difficult as this um what about doing a kind of 
like a mini physical challenge so like I was just thinking about like bungee jumping something like that I kind of just think why would I want like my brain to rattle against my skull and like that kind of thing <laughs> doesn't really appeal to me but like I don't know I feel like you've done some sort of physical adventuring yeah I I did get really um kind of bullied into it really well tricked into it but um I've never did anything like that and I didn't think that I could because I'm so risk adverse um, but my friend basically kind of forced me to go paragliding and whitewater rafting with her. And neither of them, um, you know, they're, they're quite like common things to do. A lot of people have done them. It's not like it's really exciting. But actually, if you are the type of person who doesn't really regularly do anything that is risk adverse or, you know, you're not like a hugely physical person, the thought of literally running off a mountain while someone who at the time, like we didn't even speak the same language, you know, the instructor was like they're, they're fanning up the kind of thing that makes, I don't even know what you call it, but the sort of balloon type parachute thing. And you run off the side of the cliff and then you're just in the air and then they're doing acrobatics and stuff. that completely freaked me out and because I was quite young when I did it relatively young um what really surprised me was that in doing that for months after I felt more confident as a person because I just had forced myself for the first time to do something that was totally out of my comfort zone and I really don't think I do that very much um at all well, we took, because obviously I work in a primary school, we took the kids to Go Ape, which is like kind of... Go Ape? That sounds great. Yeah, it is great. But it's like, what do you call those things? You know, you hold it up, like a flying fox. What's the other word? Do you know what I mean? Zip wire. Like a zip wire. <laughs> flying fox. Is that what they're called? Yeah, that's what they're called. <laughs> um, a flying fox or like, yeah, or kind of just like walking along like a rope bridge and stuff. And I took these kids to do it. And I was like, because I work with a special needs child, I was like, only an adult allowed to go on the course, like so I could go along with him. And I was really excited. <laughs> All the adults were really jealous of me for getting to go on it. And like my kids that I was with just freaked out after like, the first two steps and wouldn't go on anything and I was like really upset but I kind of tricked him into going on the zip wire and he loved it like he pretended he hated it but then like when he got off it one of the teachers said oh do you want to go on that again he said no never ever again and someone said oh but we didn't get a photo would you go on it for a photo and he said okay for the photo and did it again <laughs> but like I think that's really good to kind of yeah I feel glad that I made him do it although by making him do it I also had to do it with him to show mm. him that it was safe so I was quite scared and I had to be like okay I'm going to get over my fear to, to force you to get over your fear. So does that mean there's a photo of you on it? Yes, there is a photo of me um, <laughs> available at my school. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What about other areas in your life that you might be adventurous in? Because we had a bit of an adventure a few weeks ago, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> um, so um, we thought that we couldn't do a show about being adventurous without talking about being a bit more maybe sexually adventurous. Um, so actually, Emma and I decided to um, engage in a bit of public nudity. And we went to a club night, which is like, and you don't have to be naked, but it's an optionally it helps. nude club night. And they have burlesque and things. Um, and they had hot tubs. And... Um, you know, you could also express yourself sexually if you want, and we didn't. But we did get um, naked in the hot tub, which is, you know, it's a very it's a very Scandinavian thing to do. Um, but it was the first time that I've been in a public place, um, like on a dance floor. We were naked on the dance floor. It was, you know, it's all very innocent. But um, it's unusual um, to go to that kind of thing. At yeah, I think it was us. it was nice to like kind of push. Yourself. I think as well in the hot tub situation, like you're seeing a lot of girls who are topless, but they all have not in a disrespectful, disrespectful way, but they all have quite small boobs. And we were kind of noting that and thinking, God, these girls have really small boobs, and it was kind of stressful. But eventually, we just kind of thought, like, screw it, let's just get our <laughs> oversized breasts out and like embrace that. Not 
not literally. Mm. Um, yeah, I think also like I would try to expand my, um, maybe be adventurous with my my dating. So I'm kind of like expanding my gender horizons. I went on a date mm. with a girl, first time ever. Um, and it was also my first online dating experience. And um, I met this girl within about two minutes. She asked me about my previous dates. I hadn't been on any. And then I asked her about her previous dates. And she said, oh, yeah, I dated this this girl who kind of lives in like a squat we're doing up. It's like a pub. And I was like, oh, that's my housemate. <laughs> so <laughs> my first ever date, <laughs> my first ever like dipping my toe into a dating scene, I went on someone who'd already been on a date with my housemate. Um, are we running out of time, Catherine? Yeah, we've got a few minutes left. Um, so on the subject of being sexually adventurous and trying new things, um, what came to mind for me was that episode of Girls where Hannah finds out sadly that she's got HPV um, and it really upsets her because there's obviously a bit of judgment there um, and I think people like STDs and STIs people can't it's still quite taboo there's a bit of a stigma there um, and Jessa says to her well like all adventurous girls do and then the episode plays out with Hannah kind of like you know thinking okay maybe this is because I'm a bit adventurous um and she's listening to Robin dancing on my own which is just a great track isn't it um so in kind of celebration of having fun and getting that out there and expanding your horizons we thought that we would play out on that track I've also got another little mini so just while we're talking about expanding our sexual horizons I've decided to get into sexting which I feel like I'm a bit late in the game (laughs) <laughs> but like, what is this is also a mini gripe. I just thought I would share it. Maybe our listeners have a similar problem. Like knowing which words are appropriate to use. Like you can't say fanny in a sext. You can say fanny. Well, it's not very sexy. Anyway, just like thought our listeners might want to know that I'm having problems. Um, Maybe yeah, they could send it? some suggestions in. That's true. Good, yeah. Good sexting, <laughs> good sexting, sexting tips. Um, yeah. So I think this is Robin to play us out. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. This programme was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.